Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Welcome to series two of the Daniel Morgan murder. I'm Peter Jukes. I'm Devia Amir. And we'll be exploring new revelations from the book by Alistair and me and more of the story which no one thought could be told. You know, that picture, that, it, it's just a picture that, that, that should have never been seen, that should have, nobody needs to see that kind of stuff, you know, and I think, I don't think it matters who you are, even if you don't know that person, to see, you know, that was just cruel, really cruel. I saw it on the front page of the sun and then it was used in the panorama, you know, there was there was that and and, and, and again and again and, and it, it's like someone's taunting you. I feel like it's and it's probably not, but it feels personal. That was Sarah Morgan explaining how she first saw the shocking graphic details of her father's murder on the front page of Britain's best selling tabloid, The Sun. Well how did the Sun get hold of the photo? Well we don't know but they are the daily sister paper of the News of the World, which recent Philippe worked for for decades. And during the probe into Southern Investigations in 1999, Reese was overheard showing a journalist from the Mirror Group photos of the murder. So it could have come from the suspects. Yep. And it fits in with that pattern, the taunting of that bizarre floral display from the Harp Pub, the late-night calls to Daniel's mother playing the song Danny Boy. It really is cruel, isn't it? Yeah. Untold. The Daniel Morgan murder. So this episode, we're going to look at the 1990s. Uh, these were wilderness years for Alistair and Kirstine, as police and politicians basically ignored them. But it was a boom time for sudden investigations, as they became market leaders in the dark arts of corruption and surveillance for the British press. So let's just zoom in to how it all began. We ended last episode on the Hampshire Inquiry in 1989, when Jonathan Rees was arrested for Daniel's murder, charged and then bailed. But he wasn't allowed to stay in London while he awaited trial. No, the bail conditions kept him in Yorkshire. Meanwhile, Sid Fillery ran Southern Investigations, renaming the detective agency, not for the last time, S-A-F-E. That's Fillery's initials, Sidney Alexander Fillery plus the word inquiries. Safe, indeed. indeed. 
Didn't the Hampshire Inquiry even praise the way he ran the company? Yes, they commended Fillory on his strong personality and the way he'd reduced the company's debts. But it's interesting to see how he ran the company without Reese for a few months before the Crown you know, dropped all charges against his business partner. So Fillory employed his former police driver, Boris, didn't he? Who left the Met under a cloud for being in possession of cannabis. And immediately Fillory asked Boris to try to blag his way onto the police national computer for checks. Boris also found a ledger full of work for a pioneer computer hacker, which they called Computer John. And he was gathering this information mainly for News of the World. Well, that's what Boris says. Meanwhile, another witness, Andrew Doherty, a former partner of the mother of the Vian brothers, remembers Alex Marinchak being regularly in the office in the late 80s, early 90s. And also, something which even disgusted a guy who was by this point a hardened criminal, that Reese would, if he couldn't find a story to tell, completely make one up. So even 27 years ago, Reese and Fillory were pioneers in cybercrime and fake news. Yep, and there's another more modern concept we've come to know about more recently, which they were experts in. That's the concept of compromat, the Russian word for compromising material, which can be used for leverage against targets and opponents. Boris even remembers delivering a letter to a senior internal affairs police investigator while a photographer was on hand to snap the delivery to make it look like a bribe or a bung. Which is a classic tabloid sting technique. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a -a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. 
So to explore Reese and Fillory's role in all these uniquely nasty innovations and their spread right across the British tabloid press, we're going to speak to two whistleblowers who got to know the dark arts intimately. My name's Graham Johnson and I'm a journalist and I worked at the News of the World and the Sunday Mirror. My name's Dan Evans, I'm also a journalist, um, among other things these days, and I also worked at the Sunday Mirror and the News of the World in a kind of reverse of, uh, of Graham's career. Uh, and when I was at the Sunday Mirror, Graham was the investigations editor there, and I was a, an up-and-coming young Fleet Street investigator who was told to go and get Graham's job off him, basically. Which he did. Uh, I remember uh, Dan turned up at the Sunday Mirror. He, he was like the kiss of death. Within two or three years, I'd been made redundant. <laughs> yeah, sorry about that, buddy. <laughs> so when I started at the News of the World in 1996, private detectives offered PNC checks, which are basically criminal record checks. And they also offered car registration details, which they got via public officials at the DVLC in Swansea. So you could get them if you wanted them. The variety of services that were on offer from private investigators and were pretty much on, available on tap to any journalist within what I refer to as the magic circle um, on a newspaper. So these would tend to be staff journalists, people who had been trusted, basically people who uh, had sort of incriminated themselves over a period of time and could be trusted you know, to keep the circle secure. And uh, we'd be able to phone up, just pick up the phone, pretty much direct dial whichever one of these organisations we were going to use. And you could ask for pretty much anything that you wanted about a another individual. So, for example, I would like to know about your movements at the moment. Perhaps I'm trying to locate you, so we'd have a look at your credit card activity, see where you're spending your money. If you're abroad, we'd better see which hotel you're in. Uh, and then once you have that uh, raw data, then you can uh, apply a secondary approach, which would be to put uh, an actor, uh, somebody posing as somebody else, onto the hotel itself and then you just draw down all sorts of other detail about the movements of the people, what room they're in, etc, etc and then follow it up with photographic surveillance and put people on the ground. Uh, as, yeah, so effectively you're kind of sort of swarming people, swarming the target with prying eyes and ears and looking into every detail of their private lives. Yeah, so blaggers were private detectives. They called themselves tracers because they all started in the city of London, tracing uh, bad debtors. And they learned to blag people, whether it was neighbours of the target, whether it was on the phone, and they would navigate around the phone system until they found, for instance, a tax official, and they would blag the tax details of the person who they were after, the address, any phone numbers, how much they earned, all that kind of stuff. Eventually it became very, very sophisticated. What is interesting about Dan and Graham is that by the late 90s and early noughties, the use of private detectives has now become prevalent. And the model of Southern investigations, bribing cops and collaborating with the underworld, had also spread rapidly. When it came to paying police officers, it was something we all knew you shouldn't do. But the lines were always blurred. There were so many things that you shouldn't do that you did yourself or you saw your colleagues doing or your superiors doing and it was just very simply the way that Fleet Street worked at that time. Only once 
did I ever knowingly pay a police officer for a story? And it was a minor piece of tit or tattle, something that he'd heard in the canteen at work. It wasn't something he was even directly involved with. But my direct editor loved the story so much that it had to happen um, when I mentioned it to him. And so it became something of a fait accompli. I ended up paying a third party, who I think passed the money on. And uh, it didn't end well for anybody. What it, happened? Well, the officer involved went to jail and I admitted causing misconduct in public office as a result of it. Over that one story? Over that one story, yeah. Wow. Well, there came a point in time when it was obvious that the criminality that Fleet Street was so steeped in was uh, under quite a lot of scrutiny. And there comes a time, I think, in any person's life when you really need to think about the things that you do, the kind of person you want to be, um, whether or not you actually want to be able to look your children in the eye with a degree of moral authority when you tell them right from wrong. And it was quite a difficult conversation to have with myself, but ultimately I knew it was the right thing to do. Yeah, I, didn't, I, I, I never knowingly paid any police officers, but that's mainly because I didn't get any stories off any police officers. But what I did buy was information which had come from the police so I remember buying a very sensitive police intelligence report on a footballer who was getting threats. Uh, and this was basically leaked to a gangster and I, I bought it off the gangster. Yeah, it was an industry. So either the, you know, there was lots of police information which would go to private detectives and or gangsters, you know, they were basically in the same business. What was shocking to find out from Dan and Graham was that these dark hearts were driven directly from the culture of the Sunday tabloid newsrooms, where the pressure from editors to get exclusives which would survive the week was almost intolerable. My working week at the News of the World would begin on a Tuesday morning and you'd have to arrive with three stood-up stories which were ready to go in the paper. That was, that was their brief. And if you didn't, you'd be bored out in front of your colleagues. Um, you know, I, I can sort of pretty much remember wiping my editors spit off my cheek as he screamed in my face when something that I had mentioned um, happened to have been too similar to something that was in another paper a few days before. So you never knew when you were going to fall, uh, fall foul of a furious bollocking. So it became a case of sort of bollocking management, basically. You know, how can I stave off the stress and the bullying uh, for another few days? And it really was a, a matter of sort of professional survival yes yeah, so the the pressure to get stories was immense because they're not they couldn't be normal stories they had to be exclusive stories which are extremely surprising and shocking and revelatory so the bar was high so i remember having these contacts and they were almost all criminals in fact some of them became contacts when they were in jail and they used to phone up with stories and then when they come out of jail we would meet them, I would meet them, and then we'd put them on the payroll. And these would be the kinds of people who'd, who'd trawl the council estates, you know, looking for straw men, like petty criminals, which we could then kind of spin up into Mr. Biggs and, and, and fake it. But even that wasn't satisfactory, even the, you know, because they didn't have those kind of stories every week or they were alcoholics and drug users and they'd disappear. So I thought, well, I'm going to reduce the uncertainty twofold i'm going to reduce the uncertainty of being bollocked in conference and i'm going to reduce the uncertainty of 
things being beyond my control and stories not working, you know, after a few days, by completely making them up. It was a simple model. I'd, I'd go to my mates and I'd say, listen, I will pay you to be a drug dealer or I will pay you to be a gun dealer, you know, or I will pay you to be a, a counterfeit ticket salesperson, you know, a, a tout or whatever it was. Uh, and they would do that. It became like a bit of a mini production company whereby you'd, you'd buy a disguise for them uh, so the News of the World photographer could take their picture, snatch their picture from afar, not too, cl you know, not close enough so they could be identified. You know, they'd be wearing a baseball cap and a wig or whatever. And then you'd have to buy the contraband, you know, in order to provide the fake evidence for the for the story, you know, and that take a lot of hard work. But it was much easier to do that than you know face your boss of a Friday night when when a real story would fall down, and they'd just go ballistic, you know, they'd just go mad and shout and scream down the phone. I remember being three hundred miles away in Liverpool when a story went down, and the 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 features editor uh, said, "Get on the train now." Back to London, I want to see you in Wapping, you know, within the next three hours. And, you know, I'm going to really tell you off, you know. So that's what I had to do, you know. And they, they treated they treated people like, like children, you know, because they had the power to do that. Because at the end of the day, you needed to earn, you know, 400 or £500 a week to pay your rent, you know, because you just landed from, like Dan said, you just landed from the, the, the regions and you were trying to kind of get going in London. Um, I remember running up a bill with private investigators of about three grand one week and getting a cheer and a slap on the back from my uh, head of news uh, for setting a new record for, um, for personal expenditure on, uh, on, on hooky information uh, gatherers. The funds were limitless. The, budget, the news budget was spent substantially on two things. The first would be paying individuals for, for example, kiss and tells for their stories, which was a way of legitimising quite often the information that had already been paid for, which had been gathered through illegal means. So the other half of the budget would basically go on, uh, on blaggers, on surveillance people, on private investigators. And yeah, I mean, we're talking hundreds and hundreds of thousands of pounds. I think the, 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 Sunday, the Sunday Mirror annual news desk budget would have been a couple of million. Well, I think uh, I think it was a, can't remember, I think it was at least twenty grand a week just on stories they had to spend. It, it didn't really matter because I I remember it just being a bottomless pit, and never ever worrying about who picked up the bill, because as far as I was concerned, that was someone else's problem. I had enough problems just getting the stories and all the hassle of dealing with private detectives and sources and keeping the competition at bay. So you know whatever had to be spent had to be spent. And I would think nothing of spending 25 grand just for a story, which is probably worth half of that, but just to save the hassle. I did loads of them, and I never knew what private detectives charged because I wasn't interested. I'd just say, listen, get me this phone bill, get me this you know, car reg, get me whatever, and just send the bill in, and you know, don't bore me with any paperwork. Because you've got a lot to deal with. You can't, you can't get bogged down on that. Occasionally, you'd get a memo off the news editor saying you, you, you know, you're spending more money, but that, you just ignore it. Uh, and you know, I remember 
spending a quarter of a million on a story and then uh, you know I didn't think I, I just didn't see any problem with that are you looking for new tastes, new experiences? Then we recommend UK's most popular beer club, Beer 52. Well, we certainly like a beer or two after a studio session, so signing up to Beer 52 was a great idea. Eight delicious craft beers from all around the world, personally selected and sent to you each month. And included in the box is Ferment, the 100-page magazine, which contains inside information about beers and breweries from Trappist monks in Belgium to New Age brewers in California. And don't forget the snacks, all delivered to your door for free. And you can rate and review the beers to earn points, unlock awesome rewards along the way until you become a master taster. And Untold have secured a completely free case of eight special Norwegian beers for all our listeners. That's right, normally £24 a case. All you'll have to pay is the £5.95 for postage. Just go to www.beer52.com forward slash untold for your free trial today. Yes, that's www.beer52.com forward slash untold free to cancel at any time so here we can reveal something we couldn't mention last series because he was awaiting trial for perverting the course of justice that the news of the world's star journalist Maza Mahmood also known as the fake sheikh was a unique creation of Reese and Fillory Yes, he was one of the most famous journalists in Fleet Street, showered with awards and heaped with praise as the King of the Stings. Mahmood, who was convicted in October 2016 of perverting the course of justice in a trial arising from one of his stings, worked with Reese and Fillory and Alex Marinchak from the early 90s. He talks in his autobiography about sitting in a van outside the flat where Culture Secretary, the Tory MP David Meller, was having an affair with an actress. The phone and apartment were bugged up and wired up by Reese and Fillory for News of the World. But despite his evidence to the Leveson inquiry into phone hacking and press abuses that he stopped working for Southern Investigations around 1993, we now know that Mahmood continued working for Reese and Fillory throughout the next decade as he perfected his stings and entrapment of actors, celebrities, royalty and politicians and even ordinary members of the public such as traffic wardens and immigrants. Yes, Reese and Fillory provided the initial video bag technology. They posed as actors in Mazza setups, provided personnel bodyguards, including the Viant, and transport. According to one witness in a police report, recent Fillory would also provide drugs sourced from corrupt cops for tabloid stings. And it's interesting that all these classic tricks of Southern investigations, bent cops, compromat, fake news, surveillance and other forms of intrusion, all come together in the tabloid sting. There's absolutely no surprise that people were, and perhaps still are, terrified of the Sunday tabloids. Yeah, because uh, it is terrifying when the news of the world or the Sunday Mirror or now the Sun on Sunday would turn up on your doorstep, you know, of a Saturday with, uh, with bad news, you know. I mean, literally people committed suicide, you know, after the stories went in the paper. I know that. I remember one occasion when a man who was accused of sex crimes committed suicide on a second occasion where 
a story done by Mazza Mahmood about a swinger, you know, a pretty harmless swinger who was swinging in the privacy of his own hotel in France. You know, uh, he was turned over by Mazza, but he committed suicide because he thought it would affect his access to his kids. Well, Mazza, Mazza Mahmood was trumped up into a brand for the paper. And this idea of the fake shake striking again was something that readers on a Sunday became used over time to seeing. And there's no doubt that just as the sports coverage and whatever was sort of uh, on the front page would routinely bring people in, so were these kind of set-piece individuals of which he was probably the most celebrated. And they created sort of a legend and a myth around him. No fact went unspun when it came to Mazen Mahmood. Um, he laid claim to, you know, uh, securing something like 170 convictions, which has since been shown to be a false figure. But false figures were the stock in trade of the news of the world. There are lies, there are damn lies, there are statistics, and then there's Mazen Mahmood. So Mazen Mahmood was uh, particularly adept at having layers of stories. So if one story failed, there would be a second story to fall back on. And this, again, is, you know, bollocking management, effectively. So the story I'm thinking of, there was a, an MP who was alleged to have been having an affair with a lady. The lady had a husband. The husband had, in, in his past, a conviction for something quite unsavoury, but it was in the dim and distant past and it was spent. So the story went like this. The husband gets a phone call from a guy saying, I, I understand that you are a painter and decorator in your locality. I have a big painting and deco decorating job. Can you supply me with, with staff? Uh, I need people really quickly, but also I want to do it off the books. I want to do it all cash. And the guy's like, well, no, not really. You know, why don't you just go down the local labour exchange? I'm sure you'll be fine. No, 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 no. It's really important that, you know, and I've heard, you know, that you can do this, et cetera, et cetera. So they end up kind of pressurising this guy and eventually they get a conversation with him whereby he kind of half agrees to, to do this, this thing. And then there's a knock at the door uh, a few days later and this time it's somebody posing as a Channel 4 producer. Uh, who is looking for people for a, a Channel 4 show and this chap has uh, certain stuff going on in his life that they think is going to be interesting um, and they want to talk to him about his one of his passions in life. So they come in and they spend a few hours talking to him and they interview him and they kind of give him the whole spiel about how it's absolutely fantastic and yes, we're going to definitely put you in this Channel 4 programme and you should be really excited about this and oh, there'll be a pot of gold at the end of the rainbow. Can we take a photo of you? just so I can show my uh, show my bosses. Uh, oh, you've got such a lovely wife. Why don't we, you know, would you like her to be involved too? Uh, come on, let's, let's get you both together. And they start trying to take photos of the man and his wife. The guy kind of uh, didn't quite buy it. And so he said, you know, actually, this is, this is about me. I don't want to involve my partner. And then a few days later, like on the Friday, <laughs> the next call comes in to the guy saying, look, your wife's having an affair with, uh, with an MP. And... Uh, we're telling you this is true and we want you to do a sit-down chat and we want you to pour a bucket of shit on the MP, basically. We want you to legitimise our story because clearly they hadn't been able to stand it up through any other means. The guy says, you're wrong, it's not true. At which point they turn and say, say to him, Mazza says to him, uh, OK, well, here you go. Uh, we know about your past convictions and we're going to put you in the paper for being an illegal gangmaster supplying illegal uh, workers and you are defrauding HMRC etc etc so that's the story they ended up running the guy involved 
took them to court and received quite a substantial amount of money, having had to represent himself, incidentally. Um, and he was up against uh, a legal outfit who also um, represented the Queen. He was like the royal family's lawyers. They're the same people who were representing News International. Yes, yeah, so he, uh, his model, Maz's model, was the uh, entrapment model. So what he would do, he would get a tip that some, you know, a celebrity or even a member of the public was doing something wrong. And then he would go along with a video bag, uh, which is a, a bag with a, a hidden video in it or a video jacket. And he would get them to confess to doing something wrong or uh, offering a sample of something wrong, so a bit of drugs or whatever. But he would do that by offering them a huge inducement to do it on the side. Uh, so th there's no better example than John Alford. You know, he, you know, basically, Mazza Mahmood had to chisel, you know, a few grams of cocaine out of John Alford on the promise that he would be make him into a big international star, you know. And, you know, it was all, you know, it was all corrupt and bent. And, you know, and I, I know this because I, 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 uh, I, I use similar techniques when, when I did that, that kind of thing. But after a few years, I started to go out of them and tried to n not use them. Uh, but, and, you know, he, he was a master of, t again, taking a straw man, you know, someone who sold some drugs and then turning them into a Mr. Big. And then at the end of it, getting them nicked, you know, by the police, you know, and and often the reason they they got people nicked or he got people nicked was to stand the story up because the story was the stories were always wobbly, or well, not always, you know, wobbly. But if you can get them nicked, and that means it's you know you can say, you can say in the intro, you know, police have arrested the man we targeted, and then you can put him out the game for two years. You can put him in jail, so he's he's, he's not likely to complain. Or in the case of John Alford. You know, you can't even sue because your reputation's in tatters, you know. I mean, listen, he did he did have flashes of brilliance like all tabloid reporters. You know, deep down, most tabloid reporters are good reporters. You know, they just choose the wrong path. You know, he chose a path where he basically manufactured dozens and dozens of fabricated stories. We're going to devote a whole episode to the entrapment of John Orford by Mazza Mahmood in two episodes' time. There we'll feel like what it's like to be on the receiving end of sudden investigations, the fake shake and the dark arts. We'll revisit the criminal trial of John Orford, which provides a perfect vortex of News of the World's deputy editor Rebecca Brooks, Maz Mahmood, and even down to Gary Vian, who was Maz's bodyguard in the court. But meanwhile, it's worth remembering that it was Alex Marinchak promoted to news and then executive editor of News of the World, who introduced Mahmood to Reese and Fillory. Both Graham and Dan remember Marinchak well, but as an elusive and enigmatic figure in the newsroom. Yeah, he, he wasn't, a, I didn't know him as a, a top investigator, but I knew him as like a bit of a dark, a, a bit of a prince of darkness in the News of the World. And listen, you, I used to call it the Death Star. You had to stand out as being particularly bad. To, to kind of register on the, the Prince of Darkness scale at the News of the World. And he was, he was a dark figure, you know, still is. I remember one time, and I hadn't been at the paper for, for very long, it was sometime in 2005, and I was dealing with a guy who was a, a questionable lawyer. And 
this guy had a great patter. He was worth loads of money. He had the uh, flash offices in St. Paul's. He had a list of clients that was pretty eye-watering, at least on the face of it. But actually, the real story was that he was a con man. And uh, in fact, he probably wasn't a lawyer at all. And in fact, he laid claim to representing all sorts of people that he actually didn't. Um, but he was incredibly brazen about it. And I just remember wandering past Alex's desk one time, and at the time he was the editor of the Irish edition, so his desk was over by the, the politics desk, just sort of on one of the flanks of the newsroom. And as I wandered by, and I can't even quite remember how the topic came up, but this, this guy's name was mentioned, and he said, Dan, come over here. So I went over to his desk, and he opened the drawer of his desk, and he said, look in the drawer. And I looked in the drawer, and there were a sheath of papers with um, with this guy's bank accounts on them. And they showed that actually, far from being fully loaded, he was uh, running massive overdrafts, you know, like a hundred grand type overdraft. There's absolutely no legal way of getting hold of documents like that. You know, it, it was very obvious that this guy hadn't offered them up himself. Alex had acquired these through foul means. It's worth saying here that Dan Evans and Graham Johnson are the only two journalists from this era to have been witnesses of truth over the dark arts. Both of them confessed their crimes of phone hacking to the police and took their punishments for their actions in the form of criminal convictions. And in that way, by taking responsibility and punishment, they are the exceptions. And, you know, Graham is pretty clear in his opinion that the criminality was indeed widespread. But what really got my got me angry was when I saw Rebecca Brooks and Stuart Kuttner and the executives giving evidence to the parliamentary select committees, you know, Jordan Hacking scandal or before it, you know, and how they basically told lies, you know, about the use of private detectives and the use of entrapment and the abuse of their political power. And I thought, well, you know, it's worth saying something about this. And that's when I started uh, talking about it. So... You know, these people can, you know, the gangsters, you know, News UK is the number one organised crime outfit south of the river. Full stop. Next week, we'll plunge even deeper into that criminality of Southern investigations by looking at their connections with organised crime and their role at the centre of a web of corrupt cops in southeast London, which was partially exposed by the racist murder of the teenager, Stephen Lawrence. Episode 5 was produced by Peter Dukes and Devi Amir. Music by Shemaili Mir. With additional music support by Incompetech. A Flameflower Duende production.
Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com.